This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, it's, count, it's counting off. See it? See it counting? Yeah. Okay, so this is our second attempt. How long were we going? We did like an hour, and then we realized that the recorder crapped out and didn't tell us. You, you're the one who knows that we might have gone for another hour before being like... The battery was dead. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we watched a movie today. Called Stink. Yes. And uh, it was very, very good. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about that here in a moment. Yes. But first, we want to mention uh, how awesome the Patreon people supporting your podcast have been. True. Right. In fact, um, uh, I'm going to record a podcast in a few days with uh, several of the the Patreon peeps. Like, they'll be in the podcast. Right. And uh, uh, those invitations go out in a couple of days. Uh, They're going to be part of the people that that supported the podcast for um, at least $100 all time. Um, and and uh, uh, I think we're going to be inviting about 15 people, and so I suspect four of them will make it, and so we'll see what that's like. And I can't remember what the topic even is going to be, but it's coming up. But um, three of the people that are receiving an invitation are Wade Luger, uh, uh, Havoc Each Day, I think that's not his real name. <laughs> uh, and Thomas Adams. And what's that one with the name, with the line through it there? Oh, that's my name. I just wasn't <laughs> sure if we needed to announce that. <laughs> I just think it's cool that you're supporting my podcast or supporting my Patreon because you're in a lot of the podcasts. Well, it's kind of the right thing to do to be the biggest supporter one of the bigger supporters of your guy so so you are it's uh you know at the top of the list and we are downtown missoula sitting on a comfy couch in uh, uh the florence building the florence building and posh chocolate is here and i have lovely green tea from them so i just wanted to give a shout out to them this is kind of a, a cool place it's a it's an it's a little sea of couches yeah and um um, I think we've never had trouble coming here to get a seat. It's uh, it's just a cool place in Missoula, the yeah. coolest town in the world. <laughs> um, According to Paul, yes. Yeah. So this movie is a documentary, but at the beginning of the movie, he listed off all the things this movie is, and a big thing that he said it was is a crime drama and a farce. I thought that I thought it was just interesting. He was calling his own movie those things as well as uh, being a documentary and all the other things he called it, which I didn't write down. I think okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, he's going. He, he, he covers a, a lot of information in such incredible detail, and he. I think he has incredible courage for the way that he gets 
the information. It's it's spectacular. Um, I am I'm so impressed with what all this guy has done. Uh, at the same time, the way he goes about it is um, gut wrenching to watch, um, uh, and it is the opposite of what I advocate. So. I'm glad that he he has come up with the information, and rather than, like, let's get the bad guys to stop being bad, I would like to advocate that people simply stop giving these monsters money. Well, he advocates that at the end, too. Actually, uh, he's looking, you know, not to be a spoiler or anything, but he's looking at a, a triple... Uh, a a three-way approach that one people make personal choices on with their products so this is a bit of a spoiler and two you know companies get just more ethical and decide to disclose more on their own you know that's what, what he's hopeful for and then the third one is you know that's we fix some of our government stuff around all of this which is pretty messed up we find out so uh, one of the things he says at the very beginning of the movie is is uh, caveat emptor let the buyer beware and uh, the funny thing is is that uh, yeah let the let the buyer beware but but as much as you're trying to beware it's like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors yeah and so it's hard to beware when you're told specifically, no, it's safe, it's fine, Every, the government's looking out for you. And one of the things that that comes up very early on is the government is not looking out for you. In fact, the government, there are people within the government who wish they could look out for you, but they have, but their walking orders are do not look out for the American public. Well, it's it's interesting because a lot of Americans feel, well, if if it weren't safe, it wouldn't be allowed to be sold because we're just such an advanced nation and we we have all these protections and we have all these freedoms and we're I don't know, people just think, oh, we're so advanced. Uh, if it's being sold, it must be safe. And um, the movie does a very good job of proving, utterly and conclusively, and thoroughly that that is not true. Yeah. That that there's nobody looking out for you. Yeah. And that there are n- there's almost no regulations. We'll talk about how trivial the regulations are here in a moment. Yeah. Um. And and so. Uh, all right. But but. Let's talk about something at the beginning of the movie, the very beginning of the movie. Um, In 1960, one in 20 women would experience breast cancer. And probably the women that experienced breast cancer eventually died of it. And then it says, and and then they talked about how uh, they did all these things. Here's all the things that we've done to try and solve this and blah, 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 blah. And so now it's going to be better, right? Actually, now it is one in eight. And that's just breast cancer. Right. So from one in 20, now it's one in eight. Yeah. And so it's gotten it's gotten more than twice as bad despite so much stuff, so much money, so much emphasis, so much awareness about this. And that's just one type of cancer. Right. And and he very 
obviously has a focus on the breast cancer because his wife died from breast cancer and he has two girls and he is looking for um, not a smoking gun necessarily but just trying to figure out you know what contributes to cancer what is going on here um, and so he interviews scientists he interviews uh, um, politicians he interviews uh, experts in the field uh, of the manufacturing he interviews the manufacturers he even goes so far as to buy a share in a company so he can go to their meetings and ask the CEO of the company what's in the pajamas Right. So his uh, the movies. Uh, I mean, the, the peppered throughout the movie is the stuff about his uh, his wife dying. She died in 2009 of breast cancer, um, and it looked like the, the the kids were very very young when when she died. And now they're like, uh, I don't know. The kids look like they're probably about 12 or 13 or something like that. No, younger than that. Oh yeah. Like okay. 10. 10 and 7 or something, or 9 and 7, maybe. Well, they talked about going on a trip immediately after uh, the mom died, mm-hmm. and, and they looked pretty young, but, I mean, you know, plus on top of that, it's apparently she, she died in 2000. All right, well, you know, skip, 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 skip. Um, so there's there's a, a, a lot of recurring things, but, but it, it kind of starts off with he's a single dad now. Yeah, and the wife has been dead for something like eight years or something, and um, and so he bought he went online and he bought pajamas for yeah. his kids, and when uh, so he left them in the package and when the kids opened the package, the pajamas stunk. Right. And it very was strong chemical odor. Yeah. Synthetic odor. Yeah. And so I uh, he decided to call up and find out. And so he um, he first he called uh, the company that he bought it from. And I can't remember the name of the company, but oh well. Justice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So um, he, he called them and, and they were kind of like, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, and and uh, so he ended up calling the manufacturer. And then he got to talking to somebody from the manu- at the manufacturer, and um, the manufacturer said, and you could in, in record the conversation, so you could hear the conversation. The manufacturer said, "We make sure everything is appropriate, whatever the fuck that means." Right. And then another one was, uh, "It's it's got nothing, anything nasty. It's not got. Oh, it's not got anything nasty. It's yeah. not got anything nasty." And I guarantee it's safe. Yeah, not only did they say that, they said, well, because of the government rules, I don't know what's in it. Because he kept saying, well, what's the flame retardant? What chemicals make up this flame retardant? Because I want to look into them. It's for my kids. They said, well, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We can't. Or we One can't of them disclose said, that. Yeah, we don't have to tell you. Yeah. And then they said, well, because of the government rules, I can 100% guarantee it's safe because we follow all the government rules. And he even went so far as to get a Chinese translator to call the factory in China. Yeah. <laughs> and he still couldn't find out what the flame retardant was. Right. And then throughout the movie, basically, it's proven completely that um, the government has no rules. 
Yeah. And he later, so he sends it off to a lab. This is a little bit of a spoiler. He sends it off to a lab to get it tested for what the chemicals are. And he finds out it's a phthalate um, flame retardant that was banned 30 years ago. Right, among other things right. that were all very toxic. Yeah, that was just one of the things. Yeah, yeah. So now, and and uh, and then it's like at the near the end of the movie, one of the most amazing, profoundly amazing things, because of course, flame retardant stuff is in your couch, it's in your mattress, it's yeah. in your sheets, it's in your pajamas. I mean, the whole yeah. idea is, is, oh, we are so worried about you possibly catching on fire that we're going to put this stuff into it. And it's like, well, if the government is so intent on, uh, you know, looking out for us, and then suddenly they have to put, you know, flame retardant in everything, then, uh, you know, so the government is looking out for us to make sure we don't catch on fire. It's like, what is with all of that? And he had the story behind it. And it was huge. The tobacco industry, yes. So apparently what happened was, is back in the 70s or something like that, they did a study and they found out that nearly all home fires were caused by somebody falling asleep with a lit cigarette. A lit cigarette. And and so then the, the government said, we hereby command you to put something in your cigarettes to make it so that if you're not actively smoking it, that it goes out. And so right. then they, they did that, only people didn't like the taste of it. Right. And so then the tobacco company lobbied and got it changed to be like, okay, you know, everybody in every American home, including the children, they all smoke. Everybody smokes. And so you really can't stop that. Yeah. And and the real problem is, is that shit catches on fire. So they got it changed. So they took out the law about making your cigarettes taste bad, and they instead replaced it with a law saying everything in your house has to be flame resistant. So crazy. It's just ridiculous. And then it's like the pajamas, of course. You know, so many of these things are made out of synthetic materials. And and so uh, and it's kind of like yeah that stuff that stuff so it's, what we did is we made pajamas out of gasoline is what we did so look we we came up with these uh, gasoline pajamas and then we had to add extra stuff to it to make sure that it wouldn't burn so much you know now if you had cotton pajamas then uh, that has uh, an ignition point I believe of 1100 degrees Fahrenheit so it's kind of like wow that is some pretty intense flames to be able to get your cotton pajamas to ignite. Right. But because uh, we want you to be wearing gasoline pajamas, then uh, we need to have add these extra chemicals to keep them, you know, so they don't ignite so much. I mean, they'll melt at about 300 degrees. Um, and that's how you like your kids. You want them, you want to have their pajamas melted onto them, but not catch on fire. And how often are you, you know, in a 300 degree environment, you know, right. which is what the, the, the Hansel and Gretel witch, that's, she, she, she baked those kids at 350, I think. So, um, all right, all right. 
which meant that their gasoline pajamas melted onto them. Maybe she thought that was a good flavoring. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. So, um, all right. Well, when he was trying to research what was on them, he he called up the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which came, I don't know if it was related <laughs> to or whatever, but it came right after the Cancer Act in 1971, which was set up by Nixon. But um, he called them up and, and said, okay, Consumer Product Safety Commission, do you regulate children's pajamas? And the woman on the phone said, yes. Again, he had it recorded. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you... This is funny. And, and then he asked very specific questions about flame retardants on pajamas. So do you approve the flame retardants that are put on pajamas before they're made? No. Do you ban any, you know, I mean, do you, you know, no, no. They, they like, have no idea what's happening with children's pajamas. I, it was very specific as questions. I'd, it I, was very clear that they did nothing yeah. but answer the phone and say mealy mouth things to whoever called. Yeah. That was, that was it. I mean, it's like, okay, what's, what is your job? I get paid a whole lot of money to tell people nothing all over the phone. Well, in the the Cancer Act was another thing. He didn't. He must have had to edit out part of what he researched on that, and, and or my memory's too foggy on some of the stuff that kept whizzing by. I mean, you kept stopping the movie so we could write that down. <laughs> yeah, writing like, everything wait, down. Wait, wait, wait. Um, but the Cancer Act of 1971, it's a presidential commission to you know wipe out cancer or have a We're war. We're gonna solve this thing. War on cancer, and and. Really, um, I'm not sure if it's the Cancer Act. This is a part I don't. I'd have to rewatch the movie, and and maybe he didn't quite make this clear. But sometimes the things we think that are actually solving it, like flame retardants, you know, flame retardants don't solve people smoking and causing home fires. <laughs> It it's 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 a false sense of safety, and so the, similar with the the cancer act, it might have actually given more protection to manufacturers than more protection to consumers, because fragrance has turned out to be a proprietary thing. You don't have to list what the flame retardant chemicals are on the pajamas. You, if you put fragrance on the label of a cosmetic, a perfume, a cologne, a household cleanser, any of those things, shampoos, soaps, if you just call it fragrance, you don't have to say what it is. And it could have arsenic in there. It could have carcinogens in there. But you don't have to say it if it's under the fragrance. They, they should something gotcha. like a, a Senate hearing or something like that. And and so basically this senator or whatever was kind of saying something like, okay, so let me see if I understand this correctly. If I'm a manufacturer and I've decided that in my face cream, I'm going to put arsenic in it, which is obviously poison. I'm going to put poison in it. I'm going to put arsenic in it. Then uh, you, as the person who you know is in charge of the department of preventing shit like this, what do you do? Uh, nothing, sir. Okay, so why does your department even exist? <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and first of all, so what came out was like they could totally put arsenic 
in anything that they wanted and sell it. And it's like, there you go, face cream. It's got arsenic in it. Was that when they were talking to the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA? Everyone thinks the FDA I, protects us, but he made it very clear. I have it written down in here somewhere, but I just kind of thought it was it was pretty profound. Uh, yeah, it was the FDA. Yeah. Would they, they have to? It's like would they have to notify? They decided to put arsenic in there. Would they be required to notify the FDA? No. Would you do anything about it? No. Oh, it is? Okay. And that concludes part one of this podcast, (laughs) because this building is closing. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We'll we'll come back and do some more uh, soon. Okay, so the first recording was sabotaged by the battery running out on the recording device. So now we switch to my phone. And we thought we were in a very comfortable, quiet place. Everything was wonderful. And uh, But because it's the day after Christmas that we're recording this, apparently they decided to close that building earlier than normal. Uh, because normally where we sit, there's a restaurant that stays open until, I don't know, probably 11 or something like that. So we could have just kept right on going. But, okay, so next thing you know, there's a security guy coming through with a gun. I mean, this is Montana. You never know when you need to shoot somebody. <laughs> Saying the building is closing. Yeah, and so, uh, okay, I forgot. So we're going to try to remember where we were, which was, um, uh, I, I mean, got to try to remember where we were on that recording because we saved that recording. That one's off to Bill. Thank you, Bill. Yes, yes. And, um, so we were talking about the pajamas and the Consumer Product Safety Commission and how you don't have to explain what's in fragrance. And speaking of fragrance, did we talk about the kid in high school? In the We haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. But we did discover that the Consumer Product Safety Commission, their whole job is to answer phone calls and say nothing. <laughs> Basically. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. We don't, we don't do anything yeah. here. We just talk to people on the phone. Hi, how are you? <laughs> they might coordinate a recall of some kind, but they don't do anything uh, preventative. There was this whole term they started going into later in the movie, precautionary principle. Can't even spit it out. Precautionary principle. There's, they don't operate off of preventing toxins from being in consumer products. They're just a reactive organization, I think. But they didn't go into that in the in the documentary. That is kind of got. Uh, well, okay. I mean, granted, we only got to hear a couple of minutes of phone call, right. but it pretty much sounded like they don't do anything. But maybe yeah. they do things that were not clear in in this. All right. Um, uh, Heather is the name of the wife, died uh, from breast cancer in 2009. And the, the thing I wrote down was, seemed perfectly healthy until she wasn't. Yeah. And she she did look like the picture of health. You know, when she was, like, in their wedding photos and stuff, it's like, that is what a healthy person looks like. Right. Lovely photos of her, lovely videos of her and her husband and her kids. The whole family just looked really healthy. Yeah. 
All right. And and then the next note I have is about the high school freshman. Yeah. And um, if he used Axe body spray, he would die. Yeah. So if he got it on him, the doctors have concluded that if he got any of it on him, he would die. Right, because he was hospitalized um, from having had anaphylactic shock three times in one week just from being exposed to other classmates in the high school who were wearing the Axe body spray. And like by the third time that week, his throat closed up to where barely a straw could fit through it. And, and this kid was terrified he was going to die just from being exposed to it, let alone wearing it himself. Yeah, he would die if he wore it himself. And then the movie showed some of the commercials because Axe body spray makes it clear that if you wear Axe body spray and plenty of it, you will get laid. (laughs) The the women will come running. They literally had video of women running to one guy who was hosing himself down with Axe body spray. Right. And then there were interviews with certain women like, does it do anything for you? And that seems like, no, it does the opposite of what is suggested in the advertising. Yeah. And then then it kind of came out, really the only people who ever buy Axe body spray and actually apply it to their personage are junior high and high school students. Apparently, it is not a product for anybody over the age of 18. (laughs) Well, and I can't remember if we got to this point in, in the second round of the podcast, but um, they talked about he he presented a statistic that on average men or boys use 10 products a day, yeah. and then on average, girls or women use 20 products a day. So, you know, that would be shampoo, soap, shaving creams, colognes, toothpaste, mouthwash, you know, all the things. Hand soap versus body wash. Mascara, blue well, eyeshadow, all the red lipstick, yeah, yeah, uh, the sure. foundation, uh, the powder to make it look like you're not wearing foundation, um. and and any of these that have Blush. fragrance, if it's fragrance, fragrance, you don't have to say what makes that fragrance because it's proprietary. Because it's a secret. Yeah. Don't let anybody know. Yeah. So fragrance is a $100 billion industry in the United States. And that's just for the stinkums. That doesn't include all the other stuff. That's just the stinkums. Yeah. So um, then uh, we had been talking about the flame retardants, and I think I mentioned that they had some phthalates in it that they found that was... um, uh, a flame retardant that was banned 30 years ago. And um, uh, and it was in the pajamas. Right. The and it gasoline, was the, pa- the, the, the <laughs> yeah. pajamas made out of gasoline. Right, right. And so then um, he recorded a television news reporter who had done a report where she volunteered her own blood to be tested by a lab hired by the Environmental Working Group to test for toxins, different toxins that are associated with different risks. So, um, and that reporter in her blood sample, and she looked healthy. I mean, she she's wearing makeup she with Father and Paul, <laughs> and she might have, you know, had uh, highlighted or bleached hair or colored hair. I don't know. Um, 
Uh, but she had 175 different things in her blood that are linked to cancer. She had 210 things in her blood that are linked to heart disease and 196 things in her blood that are linked to birth defects. So, and she was not like older. She was middle-aged, maybe younger middle-aged. I don't know. I'm a terrible judge of age just by appearance. So, in addition to this reporter having her own blood tested, they talked about they tested 10 infants who had as many and as much of these toxins in the infant, like newborn blood, as adults had. So what they're finding is they found 287 of the 300 compounds they were testing for in the infant's blood. So they're talking about how infants, uh, this stuff is crossing the placental barrier and infants are being born pre-polluted is what they're talking about. So we absorb these things through our nose, through our mouth, like if we eat them or use toothpaste or mouthwash, and through our skin. And they're all linked with obesity, diabetes, infertility, cancer, autism. They're mutagens that mutate our DNA. And I was talking about this book I just listened to called Dirty Genes, where he talks about how our genes get messed up and by exposure to these different toxins. And then they affect our mental health, our physical health. They affect so many different things. Um, and he talks about the chemistry behind that. And like if this gene isn't operating properly, then you're not processing your cortisol response properly. And then that affects all these other nutritional aspects and physical aspects of your system. You know, just as one example, and he was a huge proponent of reducing the toxins that make your genes dirty, as he calls it. And he kept saying, clean does not have a smell. We've been sold that you're only clean if you have an Axe fragrance or if your clothes smell like chlorine or if your clothes smell like the dryer sheets and those kind of things. And that's not... Clean. Clean means it's clean. It doesn't smell musty. It doesn't smell dirty. It doesn't smell like perfume. It just is clean. So the dirty genes it goes along with the mutagenic stuff. I mean, yes. basically the thing is, is that there's a lot of these uh, uh, chemicals. Um, yeah. And I know that there's people that object to the word chemical because it's kind of like, well, water is a chemical. Right. And everything is made out of chemicals. And it's kind of like, you know what? I think that the word has two different meanings. One yeah. being everything is chemicals. The other one being is that it came from a chemical laboratory, a chemistry laboratory, or uh, which which led to it coming from a factory. Right. And so then it's kind of like, so, so we're talking about a, a manufactured substance. Yeah. But, um, uh, okay, so so mutagenics is a lot of what we're talking about. It, it modifies your DNA, and suddenly you become, in a way, a different being based yeah. upon exposure to this stuff. Um, the other thing is, is that, okay, so so this podcast, in a way, is doomed. We the, the first one, the battery ran out. The second one, we got ran out of the building. Uh, <laughs> and then we came to this new location here at Natural Grocer, which has these lovely, comfy couches. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like between uh, there and here, um, it's like suddenly I'm hyper aware of all of the things I can smell. 
on on the way, and and so uh, uh, you know people driving great big giant pickup trucks that are diesel powered. I smelled several of those at many different places, and like we we stopped off somewhere and there was a, a truck in the parking lot. Somebody was sitting in it, we kept the engine running keep, to stay warm, and of course they're just you know pouring out the fumes. Uh, and then uh, as we came out of that store, then. Um, there was this horrible egg odor. It's Missoula normally doesn't smell like horrible eggs, but I think what it was is a catalytic converter mm. will you know belch that stink out. And then that reminds me of how like when I was uh, working in Colorado for a while, that as I would commute, then I could see the enormous brown cloud over the Denver area as I'm driving into it. And and there's the thing that says that people who live in the city versus in the country, their lifespan is generally nine years shorter. Nine years. That's huge. I, I Yeah. I just think it's not about whether we're contributing to climate change or not. I mean, it is. People can argue that. People can whatever. It's whether we're polluting the air that we need to breathe, for crying out loud. You know, if we're putting out toxins, making the sky brown above a city that's that's not good for the air we breathe and the asthmatics and the elderly and the very very young are the first ones to be impacted by that and can die if the air quality is bad enough so we need clean air <laughs> but um, and these fragrances contribute to air that's not healthy to breathe so so yeah there are um, endocrine disruptors in these fragrances that make those chemicals in the fragrances um, a toxic exposure I think I would I would call that toxic so um, yeah, it's um, in addition to so this this guy making the movie, John Whelan, got these pajamas for his kids that just reeked of something very artificial, very chemical, and he found out they were flame retardants. He had the lab tell him what all was in it. So, and he was trying to get answers to this. He was trying to get the company to disclose what was on these pajamas so that the buyer could make a choice. Like if it said, okay, this has flame retardant X and the other one says this has flame retardant C, you know, you might Google each of those and decide, okay, flame retardant C is the lesser evil of the two. Or, oh, look here, I can buy these things that are 100% cotton that say they're long johns and not pajamas, but I'm going to give those, I'm going to give my kids long cotton long johns to sleep in right. instead of this stuff with all the flame retardant on it. So you could make a more informed choice, but right now they don't have to disclose it or they're not disclosing it. And so he bought one share in this company, Justice, so that he could call up as a shareholder and or attend shareholder meetings and ask questions. And he cornered the CEO and he found out that, you know, this company, Justice, 
had had a jewelry recall for toxic levels of cadmium in the jewelry. So that soaks in through people's skin and was making people sick. So they did a recall and and he kept and he was trying to ask this guy, okay, well, what are you doing to, you know, wh- how are you deciding what your flame returns are? You know, are you disclosing? Are you doing? I, and and he said, are you disclosing what's on your pajamas? And the CEO said, who is? You know, basically like, well, nobody else is, so why should we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy. Um, which is a point. Which yeah, is which is a legit point. Yeah. You know, it's not required by the law. We're meeting all the laws. I mean, it's kind of like that whole thing about how how people hate Walmart, and it's kind of like, well, well, why? And it's they list off all the stuff that Walmart does, and it's like, yeah, and all the others do the same thing. Why do you hate Walmart more? And it's like no reason. And it's kind of like, okay, it's the, you know, Walmart's not the problem. Walmart's the symptom. Yeah. And so, all right, I want to go back to the Axe body spray. Okay. And so I've, I've got my notes. They're all in order. And, and I'm going to, you know, so Axe body spray. So this kid, freshman in high school, if you got it on him, he could die. But just by, just by being in an area with somebody and he can smell it, then it, it causes him to have these reactions. Um, and uh, they they tried and, and then the other thing is they they showed the mom with all the medical bills over all the dining room tables. So I would have to guess that based upon the amount of paperwork that they had covering this table, that he's been hospitalized 20 times, and and that was just for one year. And so I'm I'm kind of thinking, okay, this is a really super serious thing. And um, uh, so they contacted the company, and the company said. Not our problem. Yeah. Yeah. They went to a lot of work to, and, and working with the doctors, working with the allergists, trying to figure out which of the multiple compounds in the axe was triggering him. They were trying to figure that out. And they, since they could not get a list of the compounds in the axe fragrance, they could not determine which part of it was triggering him. Right. So, um, yeah. So could it be like, you know, there's other products that would also be dangerous. Yeah. uh, But you can't tell. And so currently it's just Axe body spray is the only thing. Yeah. So, all right. I'm worried that we're going to like repeat some stuff, but it's been such a crazy podcast. We might accidentally repeat some things. Um, So the big thing was is the word one of the things that came up over and over and over again in the movie was the word fragrance yeah. so you buy something it says it has a fragrance and it's basically it sounds like they could put anything in there including getting rid of uh, industrial waste you know like oh we uh, you know our sister company has all this industrial waste we can't get rid of it but we could put it into this product and call it fragrance <laughs> so there you go that's yeah. totally legal and cool not a yeah. problem Getting rid of that industrial waste. So, um, uh, let's see. The reporter reporting their blood test results. Talked about that. Uh, she was clearly wearing makeup. And you're like, oh, that's not such a big deal. And I'm kind of thinking, like, I I don't know. I, I kind of... I kind of feel like, and then there was like, we had people where like, here's a woman and she's talking about, uh, these, these are problems. These are very serious problems in the cosmetic industry. And she was wearing makeup. And I'm kind of thinking like, I would feel like you'd have a stronger position if you weren't currently wearing makeup. 
And and that, now I've been to places too where like they believe that if you don't wear makeup, you kind of look like a freak. Right. Well, that. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's kind of um, if if you're not wearing makeup in a group where everybody wears makeup, they don't take you as seriously. And if you do wear makeup in a group that doesn't wear makeup, they might not take you as seriously. It's 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 definitely you wouldn't realize how subconsciously or consciously you make those kind of judgments and 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 discount what someone says if they're not as much like the others you would think we're smarter than that kind of peer pressure but we're really susceptible to it i think with the makeup stuff um there's been lots of crunchy mama blogs about women making their own makeup so they know what's in it i mean i I've gotten that way about our food. I get so easily triggered with sinus infections if I don't eat right that I'm mostly more comfortable just making all of our food at home. And plus, I'm doing specific things for your my different oddities with our health things ourselves. And I'm much more comfortable making our own food. And I think there's women who still just don't feel dressed for the day without makeup. They just feel partly naked. It's just part of what they feel is is putting on their best for the day to be maybe maybe to be taken seriously in certain circles but some women are resorting to making their own makeup just so they know what's in it so that the things that it are in it are actually nutritive for their skin instead of um uh full of things like fragrance that they don't know that could be counter um counter health you know could be promoting ill health instead of promoting health but anyway okay i i can wish for anything i want to wish for right yeah it's okay i can you know so so i think that the one thing i want to wish for is to stop feeding these monsters stop feeding these industries that do this stuff stop and and uh um, i think i think a great thing to do is open up a fashion magazine or like you know it's kind of an odd thing like i remember going to the barnes and noble and they've got you know these this big buffet of magazines and it seemed to me like about a quarter or more of the magazines were fashion magazines yeah there's a lot and i just kind of feel like open those all up and whatever you find in those don't buy that and um, but but even more than that, it's like this the the whole cosmetic industry. I like the idea of can we not have that anymore? Yeah. Um, and um, and of course, there's going to be a bunch of folks that are going to feel like you know oh we got to have that or whatever. But I I'm I'm kind of thinking like you know um, can we explore the idea of just not not having that industry? Not not because we're saying. Uh, oh, we 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 wrote a letter to the congressman and we protested and they they shut that all down. No, no, just because we stopped giving them money. Well, I've always appreciated your viewpoint that being sold the idea of beauty that is based on buying product is a false kind of beauty and it's in, and it's something that's been sold to us by Madison Avenue. I've always appreciated your point of view about that and that natural beauty 
is what we should appreciate. There, I should have done all of us. Uh, natural beauty um, is beautiful, and it would be lovely if we had a fashion magazine that was all about natural beauty. I always thought it was a little weird how there would be some exceptionally beautiful women who, without any makeup whatsoever, are are exceptionally beautiful. I mean, they're in the 99th percentile. And then they just cake it on. And it's like, why? Why are you? Well, it's like this is this is what ex- is expected. And they still even wear more than the average woman wears. And I just I kind of feel like, why? Why does she believe that? And it's like probably because she's read these fashion magazines and they convinced her that, you know, you're butt ugly unless you buy five hundred dollars worth of rash stuff. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's a lot of societal pressure. But now the the movie didn't go into that that much. We we were just observing makeup, and then there were all these different experts talking about uh, the carcinogens in these different products and the regulations and laws that don't really prevent these carcinogens from going in a product like we think we would. And some of them wore makeup. You know, quite a few of them were wearing makeup because it still is such a standard in our society. So it was it was odd. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.